This episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast is brought to you by our new sponsor, Oakley. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not just the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Welcome to Casual Friday, brought to you by Nick's Film School. My name is XJ, and this is the very first Casual Friday of the official NBA offseason. Congrats to the NBA champion, uh, Denver Nuggets. And on behalf of Nick's fans everywhere, thank you so much, Denver, for dispatching the shitty Miami Heat in five games. Um, I know we all enjoyed that series. Uh, and with that aside, I'm here with my usual co-host, the GOAT Mensa, the great Sean with a W. And as we typically do every Friday, we start with a quick vibe check. Sean, we missed you last week. How are the vibes, my guy? Um, the vibes are tired because uh, I was not here last week because I was in Tulum um, for a bachelor party, which meant that uh, you might as well just could have just hooked up an IV of mezcal to my veins. <laughs> that would have saved some time. Um, but, you know, so a lot of traveling, a lot of things going on and, 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 you know, the season's over. It was a long season and it was a, some, some parts of it were mentally draining, you know, whether it's the rumors and the ups and the downs and the, the timeline and the spaces and the, the reports and the, you know, but so the vibe's a little tired, but that's why we have an off season. So we can re rest and recharge and get ready for the same bullshit to start back again in September and October. And so, so I, I look, I'm look that I'm looking forward to. Mensa, what's going on? How are the vibes, man? The vibes are first and foremost, not paying attention to baseball. Uh, second, the vibes are great, man. I'm very happy to see Nikola Jokic win a championship and kind of just like dispel the notion that you have to be an insane psychopath in order to be the best at the sport. Um, that was that's refreshing. It's good for the I guess the narrative of basketball. And third, the vibes are um, a little anxious because this offseason, I've been saying for a couple weeks now, there are more wrong moves out there than right moves and a lot of moves are being discussed and like no moves are perfect but we can make those moves work better like the the major moves i'm talking about i don't want to do too much foreshadowing but um the major moves that could be could potentially happen would we would need to make other moves to make those moves not disastrous. And I'm not sure if the New York Knicks are able to thread that needle because we've never seen them thread it before. It's not that I'm down on the front office or that I'm optimistic. It's just kind of like, hey, I've seen a lot of good teams get this close and a lot of smart front offices and just drop the ball. So I, I'm really anxious and ready to see what the Knicks are going to do in, with this offseason. And with that being said, I am very, very, very ready to discuss the topic on hand. For sure. And and I'll just say real quick, like the vibes are a little down on my end. Um, you know, I always feel sad once the NBA season ends. Um, as you said, I mean, for different reasons, Mensa, you're not watching baseball. I'm definitely not watching the mid-ass Yankees right now. 
Um, you know, my friend Rachel has, has been trying to get me on the Liberty. So maybe I'm going to try to catch a few libs games. Um, but you know, I just wish, and I know all three of us wish that there was still NBA basketball and specifically Knicks basketball going on. And while we can't have that wish granted, we may be able to have some of other wishes granted for the Knicks this offseason. Um, so this episode is going to be about each of our three wishes for the Knicks this offseason. So these wishes could be far-fetched. They could be out there. They could be likely. It really doesn't matter. They're wishes, right? So we can come up with whatever we want. Um, so we'll each just go around one at a time sharing our wishes. And of course, we'll be able to respond to each other's wishes a little bit and, and have some discussion like we always do here on Casual Friday. And uh, hopefully all nine of our wishes can come true. Um, who, wants to, who wants to start it off? Uh, Mensa, do you want to get it going? Sure. I, I want to hear going. from Mensa. I want to <laughs> hear from Mensa because I yeah. think I know where Mensa's going. Uh, let's let's get this thing started the way anybody would expect me, who has heard me on these podcasts for the past season, knows I'm going to go. Um, my first wish is I wish that we would not trade RJ Barrett, that we don't trade RJ Barrett this offseason. A lot of that is based on, I guess, I'm not going to lie, it's projection off of a very small sample size, that eight-game sample size in the playoffs. And again, to be honest, it's eight out of 11 games because he had three bad games. Games one and two against Cleveland and game six against Miami were not great games for RJ and felt more like the same, like felt more like what we had been seeing from him during the season. But I'm willing to bet on the talent that I still believe in. I'm willing to bet on the process that I felt got excellent. It was just, it wasn't that he was playing flawless basketball, but he was making a lot more right decisions on the offensive end than wrong decisions. And the intensity on defense ticked up to the point where it's like, okay, this guy is giving you effort on both ends and is being productive on both ends. And I think that the two-way wing is the most valuable player or the most valuable piece on any team that wants to win anything in basketball. So I think we have that. And I don't want to see it go anywhere. So that's my first wish. Let's not trade RJ Barrett. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't see that, that one coming from you, Mensa. You really threw a curveball. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, you know, I, I, I definitely respect that wish. And I think at least my wishes don't really clash with that one as much. I am not as attached to trying not to move RJ. I mean, I'm cool with seeing the Knicks running it back this, this season as well. Um, but I'm also cool with them going in other directions. I don't want to foreshadow too much, but you know, if it came down to it between two guys that we, we all know are not going to be together long-term RJ Barrett and Julius Randle rather move Julius Randle, all things equal. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty on board with that. Sean, you have anything you want to add? Yeah, I mean, I would go one step further. Like, if you want to talk about like wishes that you know ain't going to come true, I would say, listen, don't don't just not trade RJ Barrett. Give him the damn keys and be like, listen, we know how far we're going with this guy. I don't know how far I'm going with you. You know what? Let's actually build. Let's actually build a squad that actually accentuates the skills and puts the best puts the third pick of the 2019 NBA draft which and that draft is catching some strays out here in these streets but that's we'll discuss that later but puts the 29 the third pick of the 2019 NBA draft in the best position to succeed um I think that RJ has 
had so many ups and downs for a third pick that were, while many of it is his doing, so many of it isn't. So I would love to see what the keys, and I don't mean, okay, it's January 1st, our season's in hell, so now I can do what we want. But I mean like, hey, RJ, you do this well, you do that well, you don't do this well, you don't do that well. Let's see if we can build something, maybe not the whole team per se, but let's just try to accentuate your strengths or hide your weaknesses. What a concept, you know? Uh, but, you know, alas, that's not going to happen. But yes, I would. And again, I've paid, I've bought um, three, like the first Knicks player jersey I bought in like, 20 years was RJ Barrett because I thought he'd be here a while. So I, I bought it last summer. Um, so I'd really like to, uh, I'd really like for not to become a throwback or something on a sale rack within a month. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a fair, that's a little side wish you just slipped in there, Sean, for your, for your Jersey, not to become a throwback. Um, why don't you uh, keep it going with our, our your next, uh, or, or your first wish? Okay. Um, (laughs) So I was listening to on my way back from actually, I forget when it was, but it doesn't matter. Oh, yes, it was Monday. Monday morning, I read John's newsletter. And if you didn't read it and you are a listener or a viewer of this podcast, shame on you, number one. Um, But I. I looked at it and it was a very compelling case, not a compelling case, but a rationale for one Carl Anthony Towns. And I read it and I was like, and and listen, John made it very clear that he was like, I'm not saying I want him, but if we were to acquire him, this is how it would have to work. And I read the article and maybe because John is an amazing writer and I'm just like, hmm, you know something? He's actually making a very good point. You know what? Like it was very similar to how after um, Jeremy's cap or no cap, I wasn't I I I. I was less against the idea of acquiring Zach Levine because I could see I could see like like I was like, okay, this makes sense. And then I opened Twitter today and I saw one Carl Anthony Towns tell the world that the Nuggets, not excuse me, the Timberwolves making the play in or making the playoffs was a bigger accomplishment than the Denver Nuggets winning the NBA championship. So my wish is I do not want this man within a 50 mile radius of Madison Square Garden. And I'm almost very angry at Jonathan Macri for even making me consider the possibility that we would bring in this. And listen, I'm not, I don't want to call him a loser. Like he's not a loser as a person. But as a basketball player, he's not a winner. Can I say that? He's not a winner. Carl right? Anthony Towns, not winner. <laughs> like he's not, he's he's not a, he's not a winner. <sighs> okay. <laughs> like, okay, look. 
a wise man. I have a good friend of mine that always said, you never see a great big on a bad team. And if you look back and I, and, and listen, and listen, God bless Damn. everything that Steph. God bless everything that Steph Curry has done for the game of basketball. Um, but the unintended consequences of the Steph Curry revolution is making people think that size does not matter in this league. Listen, in the game where the rim is ten feet high, size will always matter in this league. So if you have a great big who can score, because it's easier for him to score because he's taller than everyone else and can get closer to easier for him to get closer to the basket. That matters. For example, Shaquille O'Neal, the, he, they, the Magic went from 21 wins to 41 wins in one year. Paul Gasol, the Grizzlies went from, I think, what's it right here? I have it right here. They drafted him. They went from 23 and 59 to 28 to 54 to 28 and 54 to 50 and 32 in two years. If you have a great big, that if you have a great big, it is easier for the players that you have around that player to reach their ceiling. Let us look since Carl Anthony Towns was drafted in 2015. These are the win totals of the Minnesota Timberwolves. I have it right here. He was drafted in 2015 with our good friend Chris Dobbs. All right, 29 and 53, 31 and 51, 47 and 35, 36 and 46, 19 and 45, 23 and 49, 46 and 36, 42 and 40. Now, I know there's a lot of well, actually, Twitter people out there that are going to be like, "Well, it's roster construction, and you know, there's a team around him." And yes. Roster construction matters. And yes, there is something to be said about the Minnesota Timberwolves because I'm on their page on Basketball Reference and I'm going to read off their all-time top 12 players that win shares. Kevin Garnett, Carl Anthony Towns, Kevin Love, Wally Zerbiak, Sam Mitchell, Gorgie Jang, Ricky Rubio, Terrell Brandon, Tom Gugliotta, Christian Leitner, Nikola Pekovic, and Joe Smith. So, yes, Minnesota. Damn. <laughs> Damn. So, yes, as I said about the Hornets, the, the Timberwolves are what people think the Knicks are, right? So, roster construction matters. However, you have to be able to elevate, especially if you're the first pick in the freaking draft, you need to elevate the role players around you to at least a replacement level of, of at least slightly above their replacement level. And cat doesn't do that. And you know why cat doesn't do that? Because ultimately, unless something changes, he is a fundamentally flawed basketball player. And what I mean by that is, and if you've heard me on spaces, I've said this for the longest, he's a five who can't guard the rim. And he can't guard fours. And the thoughts of like, maybe put him at the three. That's even more laughable. He get cooked by every single, like RJ Brett will look at him and start drooling. Right. So the way to build a team around, like you want to talk about no margin of error. Like you have none when you bring this guy in. Absolutely none. And again, yes, He's arguably one of these. He's one of the best offensive centers from a talent from talent we ever had. Like offensively, especially at the five, he could be a problem. 
The problem is it doesn't matter if you're the best offensive center of all time, if you're not on the floor, because in playoff time, people look at you like barbecue chicken and you commit silly ass, dumb ass fouls all the time, which take you off the floor like that. I just feel like Carl Anthony Town is that type of player that gets coaches and GMs fired because you're like, why aren't we better? He can do this. Something must be wrong. So please, I now listen, if we train for this dude and we win a championship, you all could throw this in my face while I'm pouring while I'm pouring champagne on myself. Right. However, I would be very, 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 very upset if we acquired Carl Anthony Towns. Mensa, you look like you you have something you want to say uh, to to add to that. No, nah, man, I like hearing like I don't know like it, it just puts so much in perspective uh, when you quoted your friend who said that great bigs don't play on you on bad teams, right? Like that is because I'm thinking like, damn, <laughs> not even one. Like I cannot think of one big that I consider great that did not play on a good basketball team. Um, like look, Demontis Demontis uh, Sabonis. He had a great season and lo and behold, Sacramento Kings, best offense in the league. Like it's three just, seed. Sacramento, three seed. Like that's that's real. You know, like it, it's a very important position. It always has been a very important position. And you can go up and down the list of champions who like you can go up and down the list at all the NBA champions and tell me which one has a bad center. You know, um, it's it's very difficult to find that list. Like you may say, okay, the Miami Heat, okay, Chris Bosh played center for them. Um, like, but again, you'd when you find the center who is not good, that is the exception and not the rule. So I think that's very important to to point out, and it kind of makes him like, yeah, I like, yeah, there's whatever argument you can think of, like. It's tough. It's very, very tough to win a championship with that guy and making the move for Carl Anthony Towns. I don't know if there is a way to flip him for a better player because of that contract and because of the fundamental flaws. So I think that's a great point. And I just wanted to add, like, look at what the Denver Nuggets did with Nikola Jokic, right? Nikola Jokic, surefire first ballot Hall of Famer. Nobody else on the Denver Nuggets has that argument. Like, yeah, Jamal Murray, if he puts a couple more seasons in, yeah. Is Aaron Gordon a Hall of Famer? No, not really. Uh, Michael Porter Jr.? No. Um, you know, like, go up and down that team. It's a bunch of guys who were elevated by a historically great big. And I think that's important. Like, that's really important that, that, that we keep that in context, that we can want a star player for his talent, but at the end of the day, you don't get stars just to get stars. You get stars in order to win championships. And if that star is going to make it more difficult for you to win because of his fundamental flaws, especially at the center position, then yeah, man, I'm sorry. I'm out. Like, and, and I was spending a lot of time as we convincing myself, like, Hey, maybe cat might work. And then it's like, nah, bro. Like, you do not have great bigs on bad teams and Cat has been on too many bad teams in order for him to have that argument that he's a great big. Hakeem Olajuwon, Houston Rockets, 29 wins, 48 wins. Go ahead, XJ. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't have much to add. I, I, I largely agree with both of you. I, I think that Cat could work in the right environment. You know, we've talked about this before in our, our KFS faculty chat. You know, if he had 
a guy who could play well if he could play five on offense, be the center on offense, and be a four on defense. You know that would probably be the best um, kind of situation for him. With next to somebody like um, Jaron Jackson Jr. could could be the right fit. But you know he wouldn't be like the the alpha, the one guy. You know he'd be like the second guy. Um, so there are, there are potential situations I can imagine Cat working. It have to be like really really the right situation. The Knicks, it's not the right situation. <laughs> we all agree on that. It's not the right situation right here, not right now, probably not anytime within Kat's uh, career path. So, For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award regardless of the severity of your injury and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenblum.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212 212- 366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. And now, a quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, Bird Dogs. Do you want a pair of shorts that aren't just comfortable but make you look good? Well, Bird Dogs has just what you need. Their stretch khakis are designed to fit slimmer, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. That's because they aren't like regular shorts, which are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Instead, they invented a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khakis, but stretches. Now, you get a way slimmer fit fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dogs also use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all summer long. So I'll ask again, want to look good while being comfortable? Don't hesitate. Head to birddogs.com to check out their full catalog of shorts, pants, and so much more. You can also use the promo code POOL to receive a free Yeti-style tumbler with your first order. Again, that's birddogs.com. That's bird. B-I-R-D dogs, D-O-G-S dot com and promo code pool, P-O-O-L to receive a free Yeti style tumbler with your first order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. I will go next with my first wish. Um, and I'm reminded of this by, by the number of, uh, of the train on your on your t-shirt for uh, Sean for those who aren't watching Sean is wearing a five train t-shirt right now and uh my five biggest train, w- I have hollow you already know um and my biggest wish for the Knicks this offseason is to extend and retain Emmanuel quickly and uh listen I'm going to start by just saying that not doing these things this offseason, I genuinely believe, would be one of the biggest bag fumbles and would be an F up that would rival the Dallas Mavericks mishandling of Jalen Brunson, of the Jalen Brunson situation, if the Knicks do not do this. And that's just my opinion. You know, people might, no, that's hyperbole. That's too much. Let me explain. So, based on his production, age, expected development, you know, cap projections, all those things, I think quickly is worth easily 30 million a year. 
Um, we got Terry Rozier making 24 a year. Anthony Simons making 25 a year. Tyler Hero making $30 million a year. Jordan Poole making $32 million a year. Um, you know, and, and according to Fred Katz's great reporting, you know, some front office executives think IQ is worth between 16 and 20 million. Guys, that's literally Evan Fournier money. <laughs> that's Evan Fournier signing a deal two years ago money. <laughs> that's what we're talking about paying Emmanuel quickly. IQ is 23 years old. He's played three NBA seasons. He's already had a top 88th percentile offensive EPM season and a top 93rd percentile defensive MP- EPM season. So only the elite players in the league can boast that. Like there aren't guys who have a top like 88th percentile offensive EPM and a top 90th percentile defensive EPM season throughout their whole careers. Like there aren't there are only a handful of guys you can talk about and those are all the elite guys in the NBA. Um and for example, just think about this if IQ had the impact that he had in his rookie season on offense and the impact that he had Last season on defense, he'd be top 35 in EPM in the entire league. Does that sound crazy? Like, we don't think he's ever going to duplicate what he did offensively in his rookie season. Like, obviously, he's going he's gonna to meet that and exceed that, most likely. Um, the guy's 23, and he's going to get better. Like, he's literally a consistent three-point shot away from being a top 30 guy, in my opinion. And a reasonable, like, a, a possible offensive leap away from being, like, an all-star level guy. And I believe, I believe quickly will become at minimum uh, a perennial all-star level player. I, you know, and I know people will say, oh, that's crazy. This is excessive. And it's just funny because those will be the same people who said it was crazy when I said quickly would be a sub all-star level player, <laughs> you know, but nowadays you can't find those people. No one, apparently no one's ever disagreed with it. Like if you go on Twitter, you go anywhere where people are talking about the Knicks, it's like, there's no one in the world who ever doubted IQ would become as good as he is now. I don't <laughs> know tweets, what happened to those people. <laughs> the tweets have been deleted, XJ. They're That's del- what happened. They're legitimately <laughs> deleted. Like I, I had so I had bookmarked tweets, and I went back, and they were gone. <laughs> they were gone. Like there's nobody who 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 ever disagreed that he would be a sub All Star level player. Now it's okay. It's crazy. He'll be a perennial All Star level guy. All right, D- just go out there and put yourself out there and say, yeah, that's crazy. Um, the point is, you. I believe you could have an all-star level guy on like a four-year, $80 million contract, which would be the best value non-rookie contract in the entire league easily. Easily. If you want to trade, if you're the Knicks and you want to trade IQ, do it next summer. Next summer, when he's a three to four EPM guy who's 24 years old, starting his first year of the best value deal in the NBA, yeah, then you can trade him. Because guess what? You're going to confirm max value when you on your return form. To me, it's a humongous no brainer. Um, and if this wish is not granted, I believe that all those laughs that we were having at the Mavs when they bungled the the Brunson situation are going to be coming right back at us. So I don't know if either of you have any, anything you want to add or say. I'll jump in. I'm live sorting for, um, guards on EPM, right? Just doing a live sort here between ages 21 and 25. Let's just let's just live sort it right by EPM. The guys who currently rank ahead, <laughs> and this is and this like I'm just just going off the cuff here. Um, the guys who currently rank ahead of Emmanuel quickly in EPM: one Luka Doncic, another uh, Tyrese Halliburton, Darius Garland, John Morant, Trey Young. 
That's the list. <laughs> that's, that's the list of guys who in Quickly's age group are I mean, come on, like those these are the only guys who have outpaced Emmanuel Quickly in um in EPM. And look, listen, I'm talking Luka Doncic has a 6.4. Tyrese Halliburton has a 5.3. Darius Garland, 4.4. John Morant, 4.2. Um, Trey Young, 3.3. And Emmanuel quickly with a, a 2.3, right? These are guys who are based basically on their 95th and up percentile offensive EPM. None of them rank higher than 80th percentile in defensive EPM. And Emmanuel quickly is currently sitting in the 93rd percentile. So we are looking at an Emmanuel quickly leap on offense, which we saw in Boston. We saw him leap all over that garden floor. I'm um, sorry, the TD garden floor. The TD um, garden, yeah. The, the, let's the, be very clear no, about that one. No, it's the TD Jake Center. That's what we're going to call it. Going forward, okay? <laughs> the, the TD Jake Center. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, l- listen, Emmanuel quickly, I firmly believe, is the found money. When you look at teams who win championships, Every single one of those teams has foul money. You look, you're talking about Nikola Jokic in the second round. That is the most money you will ever, that's a found fortune, right? But go through it. You'll find every team has found money. Emmanuel quickly with the 25th pick in the draft is our found money. I believe him to be our Manu Ginobili. I would love to see him. And then on top of that, you pay him the money and with the, um, not the durability issues, but with the regular wear and tear of an NBA season with, um, Quentin Grimes probably going to miss 15 to 20. Jalen Brunson might miss, might miss 15 to 20. There are 30 plus starts, well, 20 to 30 plus starts baked into an NBA season for this kid to get his numbers and be a guy. Like, I, and I believe firmly that Emmanuel quickly knows the value of being a New York Nick because he was on vacation in Italy and some random Italian kid had his jersey on. You, he's a bench player for a team in New York City. You have starters in Indiana that can't do that. You have starters in Sacramento and Miami and Orlando and and all of these markets that can't do that. So pay him the money. Let him stick around. I understand this kid may eventually want to be a starter. Um, I would love to see him start. It's just and I want him. I would have him start as a shooting guard for the New York Knicks. But my biggest fear um, just my biggest fear with Emmanuel quickly is, and this is why I'm ultimately out on any Carl Anthony Towns trade is I believe that Emmanuel quickly would get traded to the Minnesota Timberwolves for Carl Anthony Towns. And then we would have to watch Emmanuel quickly and Anthony Edwards wreck shit for a decade while Carl Anthony Towns is Carl Anthony Townsing around. Um, it's just like, I, I would like, that's, it's really my biggest fear of the off season. And listen, if, I'm very attached to RJ Barrett. If you told me, gun to my head, who would you rather keep between RJ and Quick? It's Quick because the the numbers are the numbers. And this is a great basketball player. He is drafted. He was drafted a year after RJ, so he's still the guy that you know you have on your team that's drafted that most teams win a championship with. So yeah, I I really hope, like really really hope, we extend Emmanuel quickly, pay him whatever he wants. If he wants thirty five million, give him that. Like I I honestly don't care. I think he's worth it. Um, and I just hope I hope we keep him around for a very long time. I think he loves being in New York. I know he wants to start, but being a starter on a team that you can either be a starter on a team that gets eliminated in the first round or you can stick around here in New York and see where we're going with this thing and be a part of something really special. 
And I'll just say really quickly, um, the only other jersey I've bought the for myself after the RJ jersey was the it was Emmanuel Quickly. So please do not trade Emmanuel Quickly. I'm going to have a freaking sale rack of jerseys. You're going to have two sale rack jerseys. <laughs> oh, man. And really quickly, so I just changed the sort, right? I said, all right, maybe we don't want to do guards, right? So basketball players in the NBA with between the ages 21 and 25 ranked in EPM from top until we get to my good friend Emmanuel Quickly. We have Luka Doncic, Tyrese Halliburton, Zion Williamson, Jaron Jackson Jr., Darius Garland, uh, John Morant, Trey Young, Nick Claxton, Luca Garza, and then we have my good friend Emmanuel Quickly at 10. So Emmanuel Quickly, according to EPM, is already a top 10 player under 25 years old. And that's a guy that you don't move for nothing. Any of those guys going to be making uh, $20 million? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, let's look at it. Luka Doncic's max contract. Um, Tyrese Halliburton, very likely max contract. Zion Williamson, max contract. Jaron Jackson Jr., big, big, big contract. Um, Darius Garland, max contract. John Morant, max contract. Like, do I have to keep going here? The guy's worth the money. He's worth the money. And uh, on that note, Mensa, while we got to roll in Mensa, why don't you go next with with your next wish? Okay. So this wish is kind of contradictory to the Emmanuel quickly talk, but my big thing is, well, not my big thing, but my next wish is I don't want to see Quentin Grimes moved from the starting shooting guard position, no matter what we do. I know there's been a lot of talk and kerfluffle about one um, Bradley Beal. I know there's been talk and kerfluffle about Zach Levine and um, there may be some noise um, shaking around a guy like Jalen Green, who I personally am very intrigued on. But I think that when you have a guy like Jalen Brunson, who this season ranked, like, listen, the offense was what it was. It was awesome. Ranked seventh, seventh percentile in defensive EPM. You need a guard as versatile as Jalen, I'm sorry, as Quentin Grimes on the defensive end to insulate Jalen Brunson. And I'm all about building around Jalen Brunson right now. I think that with his contract, the, the time to strike is now. And a guy like Quentin Grimes to me is very important to what we're doing. I want to see him in this. And then on top of that, do we, do I have to bring up when Bam Adebayo used the most illegal of illegal screens to obliterate this man and he gets up, (laughs) faces Jimmy Butler and steals the ball from him after what most human beings would not be able to get off the ground from like Quentin Grimes is not only to me is he just a phenomenal basketball player, but he's a phenomenal character on court. And I would love to keep rooting for him. And I think that he's what you want in your ideal um, fourth or fifth best starter, which is a role player who knows his role. That's very important. A lot of these young guys, like, like the, let's talk about like with Emmanuel quickly. Like we don't know if he wants to be a starter somewhere. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. When you're young, it is okay to be youthful and it's okay to have youthful ambition. But it is also very valuable when you are young and you already know who you are. And that is Quentin Grimes. He knows who he is in this league. He knows exactly what he's going to be. He knows what's going to pay his bills. And that's defense and three-point shooting. So I would love to keep him in that starting shooting guard slot. Let's let let's see the age 23 season for Quentin Grimes before we decide, okay, maybe we want Zach Levine or maybe we want Bradley Beal. And I know those guys are more to replace the shot creation that RJ Barrett more or less does or doesn't give us, depending on what side of the coin you're on. But to me, Brunson, Grimes, keep that where it is. I would love to see um, 
Quentin Grimes. That's my second wish. Keep Quentin Grimes in the starting shooting guard slot, no matter what happens. Yeah. Um, I, you, you were talking about found money earlier. Like I said, he's another example of found money. Uh, again, 25th pick in a draft. Um, like, you know, and ultimately we know that all these guys ain't going to be here long-term, but it's just like, it's so it's gratifying that we, this is a position I'm glad to be in because I'm old enough to remember talking to myself into thinking, you know what? Langston Galloway could be a piece. So we've come a long way. Um, so this is a problem I don't mind having, but he's definitely an example of foul money. I just, I think, I think really highly of Quentin Grimes. I think honestly, I don't have a ceiling or limits that I'm really placing on him. Like, I don't know what he could be. We know what his floor is and his floor is an exceptional, one of the best three and D guys in the league. Um, you know, the guy's 22 years old. The guy's 22 years old, already one of the, the best defensive guards in the NBA um, in the top handful, takes on the hardest matchup every night, um, competes like crazy, shoots 38% from three consistently across two seasons. Um, and it, we haven't even seen his shot. Like, we, we all know there's still, like, room for improvement on his shot, on his three-point shot making. Like, we're, we're not like, oh, yeah, this is what he's going to be. It's like he can shoot better. We all know he's like a better shooter than he's been so far. And he's been 38% both years. I think he was 39% last year, but the, the guy's floor is insane already. Um, an amazing cohesive part of any basketball team that could fit literally anywhere. Um, and I'm not putting any ceilings on him. I think he could, I think the sky's the limit for him. So I, I I'm totally on board with that. Like the guys that I, I, I would love if we kept our young talent here and you know, Quinn Grimes is absolutely uh, I'm a huge fan and I, I, I'm totally on board. So I don't have any, any no pushback from me on that. Also, I just want to jump back in and not really give pushback because I know this is what the front office is thinking. But I personally don't under I don't think that we can't keep quickly Grimes and even Barrett together like we can't we can keep the young guys together. Like, just bet on the talent that you already have in the building. You're talking about Emmanuel Quickly, who's already 89th percentile in EPM. You have Quentin Grimes, who's already 83rd percentile in EPM. These are guys who are young and bet that they're going to get better. And if they don't get better, oh, no, you have guys who rank in the 80th plus percentile in EPM. World's like the world's not ending. You already like they're already good basketball players. And I get it with the salary cap and with like the the second apron that's coming in the CBA. But teams like Memphis have been able to say, hey, look, we don't really rely on free agency. We and they're building a sustainable product. Right. So like we already have our superstar offensive talent in Jalen Brunson and we have guys who insulate him. I think quickly works really well next to Jalen Brunson. I think that Quentin Grimes works really well next to um, next to a Jalen Brunson. And then when you trade for the you trade those guys for the star, you know what's going to happen. You're going to say, man, we could really use a guy like Quentin Grimes or Emmanuel quickly, you know, so. It's just like, I guess it's just wishful thinking to me just being like an eternal optimist and a fan. But I think that we can keep these guys in house and and win and win a lot. 
we, we already saw it this season. I think the season is the beginning. They were a top eight team as far as like they finished in the final eight, I should say. They were one of the final eight teams playing. Um, third in offense. I think that we can continue. We can continue to build with them and don't make a move just to make a move. You know, like keep them together, pay them what they're worth. And then if that star comes down the line, sure. I know with the second apron and maybe we go over the tax and that kind of stuff. But that's when you sell a Josh Hart. Don't sell an Emmanuel quickly or Quentin Grimes. Keep the youth, you know? So I think it's possible. I don't know. I'm sure the Knicks don't agree with me, but I would like to see it happen. I would love to see it. Just keep these guys in house for as long as possible and don't just sell because, you know, the, the new star toys on the market. Yeah, I, I think we're all pretty, pretty much in agreement on, on, on that, on that concept for sure. Moving forward. Um, Sean, I wonder what you got next as far as uh, one of your next wishes. So I'm going to go a little bit crazy and I pretty sure it's not going to happen, but you know, I always see, you know, Julius engenders a lot of discourse, you know, it's either you're for him or against him. No, there's no in between. Um, but if we, and I don't think this front office is going to trade Julius Randle this season, unless it's for a superstar. And I don't think that like a true superstar and I don't think he wants available, but if they were to say like, you know what, Julius, we ain't had, we've had enough. We, we, we don't think we can win with you as, as our number two guy. Um, I would love for Leon to pick up the phone and call Masai Ujiri and say, within reason, what do you want for Pascal Siakam? Because if you think about if we replaced Julius Randle with Pascal Siakam last season, we might still be playing bad. No, no, but I think, I think there would be all the ECF dreams and talk that we had after watching, you know, after we, you know, seeing what happened against Miami, I think that could have really happened. Um, you know, I, I spent all, I spent a lot of time on Twitter saying that uh, this year that Pascal Siakam was better than Kyrie Irving. And a lot of people yelled at me. Uh, those people um, also, when they, when, when they dream at night, they dream tween, tween, hezzy tween. Um, and I said that because Pascal Siakam, um, you know, offensively is really good player. Uh, he averaged 24, 24, seven and five. And defensively, he's the, he is the anchor of your defense. And imagine Tom Thibodeau would have a lot of fun. And guess what? You could actually play him at center and get away with it. So, um, if I were to wake up and find out the Knicks trade for Pascal Siakam, and please don't not miss me on age because Pascal Siakam is 246 days older than Julius Randle. He was born in April of 94. Julius Randle was born in, in November 94. So if he's the oldest player in our, if he's the oldest player in our roster, we're doing a good job. So if I woke up and I found out the Knicks traded for Pascal Siakam and, you know, not the store, not the farm, you know, but, you know, some assets because Masai woke up and realized like very wisely that, you know what? I'm not winning jack with this team. I'm not going to chase a play anymore. I'm going to blow it up. I would be very, very, I would be very, very happy. So I'll just jump in real quick and say, I would have been down for this um, until I started digging into the numbers. And just my main concern with Pascal 
is just the three point shooting. Um, it's like not a passable. He doesn't have like a passable three for a four. In my opinion, I think he shoots like 32% from three um, this past year. And you know, the year before that, it was like 34%. The year before that, it was like below 30%. So that would be my only concern about Pascal. I mean, the issue, if it was just like, hey, would you swap Randall for Pascal? I might say yes, just because of the versatility and everything that you mentioned, Sean. But when you have to throw in assets, to me, that that spacing is going to be essential. Um, if he's not playing the five, you know, a lot of the time and under Tibbs, he's not going, he's not going to be playing the five a lot. So that's my only concern with Pascal. Otherwise I like the idea of it. Um, I just need him to be like a 36% shooter as opposed to like a 32% shooter. Yeah. I am also a Pascal Siakam guy, but in the context of what this team is trying to do, I'm not sure he makes sense next to a non-floor spacing big like Mitchell Robinson. Um, I think the proof is in the pudding with Pascal Siakam. He won a championship as the starting power forward for the 2019 Toronto Raptors. So, um, I mean, the defense this year wasn't great. It, he was in the 48th percentile. And again, with the shooting, like XJ said, 32.4% ranked in the 25th percentile. So the shooting isn't what you want it to be. And then next to a guy like RJ, who also has questions about his shooting, it may not be um, an ideal fit, but the idea of moving on from one Julius Randle is not one that I've been shy about. So I can't, I can't push back against it too much, especially because with a guy like Siakam in-house, I don't think the numbers work, but with a guy like Siakam, you can probably get away with having a guy like Kat, but, and Kat seems to be on this team's, um, seems to be where the team wants to be. And I, and I know I just said the defensive EPM wasn't there this season and Siakam's reputation may be a little bit better than people actually realize he is on defense. But at the same time, this is a guy who plays defense and can guard who, who can, who can guard. And I think with the, if I look clearly at it with the, yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the block percentage and the steal percentage also not that great. So maybe not, but if it means no Julius Randle, <laughs> I am there. And I know a lot of people who listen to this podcast who like Julius Randle and on Twitter and everything, but I've honestly, I've had my fill. Um, I'm very happy that he, that he did what he did in a New York Knicks uniform, but he's not my cup of tea. And I just have to be honest about that at every turn I can. Quick follow-up. So funny, I'm looking at it. Pascal, his, his the two best Raptors teams he played on were the 2019 and 2020 teams. In those years, he shot 37% and 36% from three. Now, I'm not going to be dense and act like um, playing next to Kawhi Leonard didn't impact you know, how good one of those teams were, but the 2020 team, they shot 30, he shot 36, he shot 36%. So it might be possible, you know, maybe when he's, you know, Maybe when uh, teams aren't sagging off of Fred Van Vliet because he can't hit the broad side of a barn, maybe things are a little easier. But your um your your um your criticisms are well noted, and to your point, like it, a straight swap, I think we'd all sign up for it. But I don't think a straight swap swap would happen. Um, but I'd be interested in seeing what the asses looked like. But then again, that's Masai Ujiri, and we know how he moves. So there you go. Yeah, I, I, I totally, I think it's a Maasai problem at, at, at that point. Um, but speaking of 
the potential from for for moving on from one Julius Randall, if that is at all possible. Um, I will go into my second wish, which is something I talked a little bit about on Twitter um, to trade for Lowry Markinen. Um, and you know, I I think that besides getting a guy like Devin Booker, this is truly like my dream acquisition. Like I talked about how these don't have to be realistic <laughs> because they're just wishes. And, but I don't think it's un- as unrealistic as it might seem to acquire uh, Lowry. I-, I think that I could see Utah being open to move, exploring moving him for a couple of reasons. Um, one last year was a breakout season for him. They could easily feel like they're moving him when his value is at the highest um, and that he may come back down to earth. You know, I'm willing to make the bet that what we've seen from him is legit. I believe it is. Um, so I, I'm I'm super down to bet on that. But it, it could be that Utah is not willing to do that. And he has two years left on his deal before unrestricted free agency, at which point he'll be 28. Um, and if he maintains his production, he's going to be looking for max money. Um, does Utah want to plan on Lowry being one of the two guys they'll be building around? I'm not sure about that. Again, he's going to be 28. I think they're on a little bit of a younger timeline. Um, he's going to be 28 when he when he hits restri- uh, unrestricted free agency. I think they're on a little bit of a younger timeline. So I, I could imagine it being possible for them to look to deal him. If there's any chance at all, I'm 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 on board. I love marketing and skill and fit here. Um, you know, looking at it, there are very few great offensive fours in the NBA. Um, very few. And, you know, as much as the guy annoys me personally that we've talked about, Julius Randle, um, he is one of the very few handful. Uh, Lowry Markkinen is one of the few fours that is a better offensive player than Julius Randle. And I think it's best case scenario these days for your four to be a guy who can guard threes and fours on defense and essentially play like a jumbo size wing on offense. You know, that archetype is Durant, that's Giannis, that's Zion, that's Aaron Gordon to some extent, and that's Larry Markkinen. Um, Obviously, to a lesser extent on defense than the guys that I just mentioned, but I think he's being severely undervalued, actually, not overvalued. And to me, this is the window to capitalize on it. Um, His shooting is tremendous especially on catch and shoot. Uh, I'm looking at it now. He's one of the best shooters in the league on high volume, shooting 39% overall and 41% on catch and shoot threes. On spot ups, I mentioned this on Twitter as well. On spot ups, he scored 1.23 points per possession on almost 300 possessions, which is absurd. That's even better than Brunson, who shot the lights out last year. Um, You know, he can run ISOs extremely effectively. He scored 1.16 points per possession on ISOs, which again, somehow better than Brunson, who we know is one of the great ISO scorers in the game of basketball right now. he has an awesome float game. He has a great close mid-range game. So everything that the Knicks want to do, I think he can do extremely well. And offensively, I think he's just a perfect fit. I would prefer if Lowry could p- replace Randall. Again, you would have a guy who can play the four, um, who could play down at the three. Um, would It's just perfect at that spot for the Knicks, I believe. Uh, but, you know... I think that he would be one of the few offensive and defensive upgrades over Randall at the four. And there's just not a lot of guys like that. Uh, the guys that we can think of, Cat, 
um, Pascal, you know, they have a lot of advantages and some disadvantages. Lowry, I think has none. I think he's just a, a, a straight upgrade over Randall, like in all, in every way. Um, so if there was a way to negotiate a deal that costs around like what it would cost to get Levine, I would absolutely dive at. That's my dream acquisition. That's my huge wish or huge second wish. Um, do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. Cause I don't think Utah is going to make him available, but if there was any chance I would, I would jump on it. Yeah, so um, Lowry Markinen is an interesting case for me because to me, he's absolutely um, a better fit for what Jalen Brunson needs. As far as um, he's to me, he's kind of like I the ideal version of Obi Toppin, you know, like just the way he scores. Just go watch some Lowry Markinen highlights and tell me Obi can't do that. But the reason why I think Larry Markinen is so interesting is because if we were to replace him, if we were to place, if we were to replace RJ Barrett with Larry Markinen, um, just to, I mean, Dunk, uh, Dunks and Threes has him listed as a small forward. I don't think that's accurate uh, from what I'm seeing on basketball reference. He, he played um, 20% of his minutes at small forward. And si- last year he played 64%, but he spent most of his time over his career at the um, at the four. But the reason why I think it's interesting is because in theory, Julius Randle plays like a small forward on offense. He's not really, um, he's more of an ISO score. He doesn't really set screens. Um, not really a movement guy, the way you think a shooting guard would be. He, you know, so like the isolation scoring, the, the, the off the dribble shooting, you can kind of get away with Julius Randle at the three. And the reason why I think it's interesting is not because I want to see Julius Randle at small forward. It's because what happens if you put if you move RJ Barrett and put next to Julius Randle, a guy who over his career has shot uh, 37% from three on 7.6 attempts last year, he shot 39% on 8.1 attempts a game. Like not, not per, I'm sorry. Is this per 36? I'm looking at just want to make sure I'm right. So yeah, so he, it was 7.7. So he basically paid, he played 34.4 minutes. So per game, he shot 7.7 threes a night and converted at 39%. Like what would Julius Randle look like next to a guy like that and being insulated by a guy like Jalen Brunson at the one and uh, Quentin Grimes at the two and um, Mitchell Robinson at the five, you're basically building the perfect home for a guy like Julius Randle. And there are people who will say, you know, like buy into the ankle stuff. I don't buy it too, too much. Um, because the effort was the effort. I mean, we just saw him in crutches and everything, but I think the effort was inexcusable at times in the playoffs. Um, but I mean, that would be a perfect fit. Like I can't think of, at least in theory, I cannot think of a better team to put around a guy like Julius Randle than having a Markin next to him and a Mitchell Robinson. And we just saw a team win with three big guys at power. I mean, I'm in their front court with Michael Porter Jr. being what, 6'11", uh, 6'9", Aaron Gordon, and uh, seven foot Nikola Jokic. So the height thing isn't necessarily an argument. Once you look, I mean, Look, I'm not going to say that um, it was just height that won the Denver Nuggets championship. Having a savant at center also had a lot to do with that. But I think it's interesting. I do think it's very interesting. Do I think it's realistic? No, but we're not talking about realistic things here. This is in theory. And in theory, I think that would work really well. Yeah. And just a, just a quick follow-up. Like For my wish, it's specifically to swap marketing for Randall, like not to swap 
marketing music to my ears brother (laughs) (laughs) because i do think that's like there as as much as you know some of us don't love randall like like parts of his game and like his consistency things like that um there aren't very many upgrades over randall like straight up at the four like in terms of overall impact so um lowry it would be one so the wish would be to swap lowry straight up for randall in some way but i would you know i'd also still be happy if we moved um you know rj or someone else uh, and put Lowry at the three. I just love Lowry Markin as a player. I think he fits extremely, extremely well um, on any team and especially this team. What's up, Knicks fans? Super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Express your style and build a look that's made just for you. Oakley's changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, train, or just want to look like your favorite athlete? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self and an expression of your personality, with Oakley, there's more than meets the eye. Here at Knicks Film School, our motto is look good, play good and that's why oakley is the perfect partner for us not a one of us leaves the house in the morning without our oakley's and listen up because it's officially almost summer which means you need to upgrade your sunglass game now check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair today also did you know that oakley even offers prism lens technology now i know what you're thinking gmac what the hell is that Well, it's a technology solely used by Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to oakley.com and check it out for yourself. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses. That'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me. Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Why don't we go straight to, uh, you know, our third wishes and kind of close it out? Um, Sean, do you want to do you want to start us off? Can, yeah, you know, I'll start us off. Um, so, or do you want to save? Uh, you want to save yours? You can well, save. Mine it. is actually kind of like I'll, you know, I'll save it. I'll save it. Okay. Uh, yeah, that that works for me because mine is kind of a good segue. So, um, let's talk about. Uh, a good man by the name of Christian Clark. He is a staff writer for NOLA.com, New Orleans.com, right? And he wrote an article on June 2nd. Um, the title of it is, He Needs to Play What Went Wrong with the Pelicans Head Trainer and Zion Williamson. So, if, so before I bury the lead, let's talk about what my third wish is. My third wish would be a trade for one Zion Williamson. Let's before go. you guys, before <laughs> we jump out the window and throw ag at me and tell me I don't know ball. Um, a lot of this is based on, um, again, we're getting nuts here. Let's just go all the way out. I, I'm just going to say it. I don't buy all of the injury concerns with Zion Williamson in New Orleans. Uh, I first started to question it when I read this article because it came across my time. It came across my feed at work, which is weird because I'm like, I don't even like research sports at work at all. I don't know why this is coming up on my um on, on my Microsoft Edge. And I'm just someone who works in advertising. I could explain that to you offline. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So I'm reading this article and I'm like, wait a minute. 
I didn't know Brandon Ingram missed 30 plus games with a stubbed toe. Like it, it's crazy. I, and then I realized like did Zion Williamson miss the entire calendar year of 2023 with a, with a sore hamstring. Like this is crazy stuff you're talking about. Like unprecedentedly nuts we're talking about. Right. And then I start to think about the history of New Orleans and how they were gifted Chris Paul in 2005. And Chris Paul was like, yep, the place isn't for me. And then they were gifted Anthony Davis in 2012 and Anthony Davis literally on the last game as a New Orleans Pelican wore a shirt that said, that's all folks. That's how badly he wanted to get out of there. Um, and then you hear about the, the Louisiana State University football team and how all those kids from Louisiana go to LSU to get out of Louisiana. And like, I'm like, OK, I'm going to go nuts here. And I'm researching guys who are like from Louisiana and like boozy rapper boozy big. It doesn't get more Louisiana than boozy. He lives in Atlanta. He does not live in New Orleans. Um, let's talk about Odell Beckham. I looked him up. Big Louisiana guy lives in Los Angeles. Like nobody from Lu- little Wayne. I'm sure little Wayne lives in LA does or in Miami. He was big in Miami, never in Louis, never in New Orleans. Right. So guys don't like this place. I don't know what it is. Like, listen, I hear you go to, you go down there for a weekend. <laughs> you have some of the best food ever. It's great, but it's the swamp. Like, I'm sorry. And, and, and then when I read this article to get back to the Christian Clark article, cause I know I'm getting a little nuts here. Well, I've already gotten very nuts. I'm not going to lie. And I'm reading this thing and it's saying that David Griffin, I'm sorry. Yeah, I think that is the guy. David Griffin, when he took the job as the Pelicans president of basketball operations, he brings this guy over from, yeah, he brings this guy over from, uh, from Phoenix when Phoenix is supposed to have one of the best medical programs. And from day one, him and Zion have been, feuding basically they don't see eye to eye zion thinks he's too cautious he wanted to play wanted to ramp it up and they were putting um even like their coaches didn't understand it gentry didn't really understand it um van gun didn't understand it at a time and i'm thinking like and then on top of that the whole thing with last year in in new orleans i think for mardi gras they had a fat zion float like and i'm not saying that new york is going to be any easier (laughs) on one zion williamson because we can be really nasty um but I just don't think he wants to be there, man. And I think that ever since he got drafted, ever since the draft lottery night in 2019, when Zion Williamson, like they had to usher him out of the room when he found out he was going to New Orleans. And then I think it was his rookie. Wait, 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 what? You you didn't. I didn't know this. No, I, I'm like, wait, is this a bit? No, okay. No, they, for real, like, it was, it was, I think I can even research it now and get that information for you. Like, Zion Williamson, like, they had to get him out of the room because he was so disappointed that he was going to New Orleans. Like, for real, like, it's been like that for a long time. Like, since before he was a Pelican, he did not want to be there. And just going off of my history of my short history lesson of superstars who don't want to be in new Orleans. Zion Williamson is more the trend than the exception. I understand people are saying, Oh, what if he doesn't love basketball? I'm like, come on guys. This kid was like 
Zion, like we knew who Zion Williamson was when he was like 15 and 16 dunking on accountants. Like Zion Williamson is Zion Williamson because of basketball. And like, I think, I think even like his stepfather played at Clemson, like basketball is a big part of this kid's life. I don't think that he doesn't want to play basketball, but I do think he doesn't want to play basketball in New Orleans. Um, So the New York Knicks could have an opportunity to get this kid on a buy low. It may cost, um, Julius Randle in parts because you can't keep Julius Randle and Zion Williamson. It just doesn't work. And then on the New Orleans side of it, uh, one thing I forgot about New Orleans, like they share their training facility with the New Orleans Saints. You know, like New Orleans is really a football town. They love their Saints. They don't really care about their Pelicans. Um, but yeah, like he, he just doesn't, I feel like he doesn't want to be there. And I think that he really wants to be in New York, which in my opinion, creates a very special opportunity for the New York Knicks because yeah, the Charlotte Hornets could say, oh, we'll give you the number two pick for Zion. But are you really going to trade the number two pick for a kid who you don't know really wants to be playing for you after what he just did in New Orleans and the Portland Trailblazers can give you the number three pick for Zion Williamson, of course, but why would they do that again? Like, are we sure Zion Williamson doesn't want to, you know, wants to run to the guy who doesn't run from the grind? You know, like, are we sure about that? Like, is that really where he wants to be? Um, I also don't take lightly that the New Orleans Pelicans traded for CJ McCollum, who was the president of the MBPA, and that still didn't work out. Um, I just don't think he wants to be there. I think that the injury concerns are real. But I also believe they're a tad overblown because overblown because I just I can't I just think it's chicanery, man. Like, how do you miss an entire calendar year of basketball? Well, the rest of the calendar year, four months with us with a sore hamstring like that. That to me is just I don't know, man. I don't believe it. I think that he'd be more durable in New York than he was in New Orleans. I think he'd be more motivated to play basketball. I think having RJ Barrett on his team will be a boon for him. And if the opportunity is Julius Randle and some, and some picks, I think that's a price worth paying because when Zion is on Zion, it, I, I mean, it's, I looked it up today. His two-point percentage of shooting is higher than his effective field goal percentage. That is how good he is at scoring the basketball. I think he has a six, I think he has a 618 uh, two-point percentage and a 615 EFG. A 615 EFG is absurd. For a guy who doesn't shoot threes, he's just strong. He bullies people and it's, it's truly amazing basketball to watch. And if you can get a guy like that, I know it's a very risky move, but just like, look, if he was playing for the Chicago Bulls or the San Antonio Spurs or some other team, if it was anywhere but New Orleans, I would not be having this conversation with you. But just do your history and look at guys who've been to New Orleans and what ended up happening with their careers in New Orleans. They just, all right, this is cool. I'm ready to move on. And that's just been everybody. I think Zion is a part of the trend, not the exception. And if the New York Knicks could get their hands on him, we should do it. Yeah, um, you know, like as, for all the, you know, did it Knicks dodge a bold in 2019? The Lord knows I've been throwing it out there. Like, you know, in this summer of like distressed assets, because like when a star or a budding star or a soon to be star or borderline star or borderline superstar is available, they're usually available for a reason. That reason isn't very good. Um, but when you look at like all the 
quote unquote distressed assets that are either available or rumored to be available or going on podcasts saying I'd play in Miami, Brooklyn, or New York. Um, like you have Bradley Beal, you have Damian Lillard, you have Zach Levine, you have Carl Anthony Towns, you have Paul George, and you have Zion Williamson. And if I were to take a chance with trading for any of those, any of any one of those distressed assets, I would take a chance on the 22-year-old kid who averaged 20 points a game out of out of college and didn't know what the hell he was doing and said on Rihanna's internet, Madison Square Garden is my favorite place to play basketball. So, Mensa, I am... I'm with you. And and to your point about New Orleans, like like I should like if I, I'm sure if I look up New Orleans, the New Orleans top 12 by war, uh, I'm going to get some. Uh, there's going to be some very interesting names on there. But yeah, man, like like, yeah, something something like I remember I went to, I, when we played when we played Memphis, uh, Memphis, when we played New Orleans at the Garden, I was there and I was like, he's not playing and looked it up. He's like, he's like, he's hasn't played since January 2nd, sore hamstring. I'm like, sore hamstring three months. Sore hamstring? It's not something's not right. Something's not right. Yeah, I I mean, I I do want to say we do have some uh some verification through some back channels that we are not gonna bring up with regard to specificity <laughs> that Zion may have genuinely be have been injured to some extent. Um, we also have, <laughs> go back like babies and pacifiers. <laughs> we, we, we also have verification that Zion's decision making may not be um, the most ideal. However, you know, he is a 23 year old um, kid man, uh, however you'd like to describe it. So that all that being said, <laughs> I'm not going to go too deep into that. All that being said, yeah, I, would I take a chance on Zion's health and decision making and uh, willingness to get himself in the shape and, and ready to play um, here in New York? I would take a chance on it. Absolutely. If the cost is Julius Randle and a couple picks, yeah, <laughs> let's do it. Let's sign up for it. Because if speaking of guys who are better than Julius Randle, if we get a healthy Zion, <laughs> that is one of the top players in that national basketball association by far hands down. So um, I think it's worth the risk. If that's something that was to be on the table. Um, and I, one, I will go one more quick. Oh, follow. Yeah. What's up? What's up, Sean? Um, Cause I'm pretty sure there are people listening to this podcast or watching it and laughing at us every time we say, if he stays healthy, um, I will say this. No, what I'm about to say, no one has been able to say with a straight face in 20 years, the New York Knicks have the infrastructure. They have the talent. They have the culture. They have people fail saves in place to give him the best opportunity to succeed. And listen, he may be the best player on this team when he gets here, but the culture is set by Jalen and Rowan and Tom and you know if he's still here Derek and like the and and Leon and 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 you know Wes and so there is a there is a there is something to be there's something to be said to a player where it doesn't work a star player where it doesn't work one place and go somewhere else and they take a step back and say all right 
We saw what happened here. We're not going to do that. We're going to do this. You, uh, I just want to say, you think that um, when Quick and RJ and Quentin Grimes are all in the gym, that Zion Williamson is going to be at Clonadis? You think like I, I don't think so. I think that the Knicks absolutely have the infrastructure. And one more thing that I wanted to bring up, uh, just a quick excerpt, because if you think that it was just Zion last year, this is what uh, Christian Clark wrote about uh, Brandon Ingram. He said Brandon Ingram sat out 29 consecutive games with an injury the team described as a left toe contusion. Ingram kicked the back of a Memphis Grizzlies player's foot in November. Two days after the injury, Pelicans coach Willie Green said Ingram was day to day. Days turned to weeks, weeks turns to months. Ingram did not play again until January 25th. So um, he kicked somebody's foot in November and sat out for two months. Like I just, it's, it's, it's crazy the things that were happening in New Orleans. And I don't think that it's just Zion out there. Zion will not be at Clark Daddy's, although he might be at Hoops on 33rd Street. If you know, you know. <laughs> and, and, and on that note, I, uh, I will not comment, but I will, <laughs> I will seamlessly segue into my final wish. So, so Sean can close us out at the end. Uh, mine is going to be quick in the interest of, you know, not making this a multi-part um, episode as, as, as fun as it's been. Um, you know, mine's going to be super quick. My final wish is a heartbreaker. It is that Obi Toppin gets traded to a team that can use him to the best of his abilities and give him the opportunities he deserves. Um, you know, I think Indiana would be the spot as I, and many people have talked about during the regular season. Um, so if we can move him for like, you know, the 26 pick, you know, I think that's awful value for him, but probably, you know, what his value is right now. Um, if we can package Obi in a deal, that'd be more ideal, um, like in a move for Levine or Lowry or for another all-star level player. But, you know, I just think the Knicks by way of circumstances and their decision-making um, drove Obi's value into the ground. And this is where we are now. Um, it's a sunk cost at this point and his value is not going to go up because he's not going to get playing time to do so unless something drastic happens, which realistically something drastic is not going to happen. Um, and yeah, I'm just ready to watch him on a team that will utilize his skills appropriately. So, you know, as, as, as sad and heartbreaking as it is for me, uh, you know, I, my wish is that Obi gets traded to a team that uses him well, and and I will be watching that team very closely on League Pass, whoever it is. Yeah, Obi with Halliburton feels like the kind, feels like a version of when the Knicks traded Mark Jackson to the Pacers, and that ended up biting them in the ass for like a playoff series or so. Um, I. Like, that's the one place, like, I want to see Obi do well, just not in Indiana. <laughs> you know, like, that's just one of those teams that I would I would really not enjoy Obi Toppin playing for. But I do want to see him get his opportunity because the kid can play basketball, man. And credit to the New York Knicks for drafting well because we realistically haven't had a bust come through here in maybe not since 2019. You got R.J. Barrett, you got Emmanuel Quickly, um, Quentin Grimes, and one Obi Toppin. Those are your four, those are your first round picks. Um, all ended up hitting. So, yeah, when you draft that well, 
guys have to go play other places because you can't pay them all. So I do think Obi Toppin has to be the odd man out and I wish him all the best. And it's sad that it won't work out in New York, but I would like to see him. I want to see him do well. And so that we can scream. I told you so from Twitter in like six months and let all the Obi doubters realize that they were wrong and maybe they should reevaluate the way they look at things. And I'll say this. Um, I actually won't mind if he ends up in Indiana because I'm going to give a shout out to Chris Persianen because if Obi does well in Indiana, then all the people who yelled and screamed that, that they didn't sure took uh, Halliburton because Obi's bad. It's like, well, if he's good, then it's like, well, wait a minute. If he's good, then I'm either I'm wrong or like, so it, 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 it'll be a reckoning because then it'll have to say it. Then it's either, um, Tyrese is not as good as we made him out to be, or Obi is a lot better than we made him out to be. So either way, they're going to be wrong and have eggs on their, egg on their face. Um, yeah. So, and I'm with you, XJ. Like, I I don't want to see Obi traded, but like the man needs he needs a place to like spread his wings and and play more than 12 minutes a game. And again, as I said earlier, someone who says, "All right, this is what you do well, and this is what you don't do well." So you and um. Cornfield Composo can do can make beautiful basketball together in 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 Indianapolis because you know in 49 states it's just basketball, but that's Indiana, whatever. Um, all right. I'll in the interest of time, I'll I'll be quick about this. Um, and I actually came up with this during this show. Um, I don't know what made me think of it, but it just popped in my head. Um my third wish, and I know this ain't never gonna happen. So this is left field, out on left field. My third wish is that I want to go on Instagram or Twitter and see Mitchell Robinson taking 300 threes a night, a day during the summer. That's what I want to see. I want to see the, I want to see, we talk about spacing. It's like, well, hey, how about this guy who goes on Snapchat and says, yo, they, they not, they not going to let like, no, go out there and take 300 threes every single day in the summer and put them joins on, on, on YouTube. And tag Leon and tag Wes and tag Tom on Twitter or what? Well, you know, Tom ain't got no Twitter. And say, like, yo, because it would solve so many issues. It would solve so many issues. And if for those people who are saying, well, a guy like that can't be good at threes, you know, he's been in the league too long. He would have been good at it by now. I present to you, there is a gentleman that through his first five years in the league made one more three than I did. And he took he took four more threes than I did in five years. And now said gentleman takes about 1.4 threes a game and he hits them at, I just had it in front of me, 30. Yes. He hits them at 35%. Is 35 Can I guess who you're talking about? Yes. So I'll let you finish, but go ahead. Okay. So I just wanted to um, say I wanted to guess. Okay. He hits them at 35%, which, okay, is not amazing, but it's like, I don't want, I don't think Mitchell Robinson should be going out there taking like six threes a game. Um, although I think this player actually did, was taking like six threes a game. But if you just take just enough, and this player is also a, a very good rebounder. So like this player is a similar archetype. So I say that to say like, if this player, can, if this player can do it, uh, Mitch can do it. Go ahead and guess. Are you talking about Brooke Lopez? 
I am not. I oh, figured okay. that would be. I figured that would be. That would be too much of a leap. I think <laughs> for like a, a a bit of a leap, he could get to where this player is now. Actually, do you have a guess? Uh, is it Blake Griffin? I don't. I don't know. Right. No, is it? Oh, this is. So what I did was I looked at all centers. He's a center. I looked at all centers and sorted them by three point three point attempts uh, last season. And he took 109 threes last season and he shot 34 percent. And he's also a player who's finished top 10 in offensive rebounding three times. And that player is Jonas Valanciunas. So Uh, why can't Mitchell Robinson be Jonas Valanciunas? You know, just looking at um Looking at um, Robin Lopez, no, I'm sorry, Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez didn't hit a three in the NBA until 2015, and he got drafted in 2008. So, and now he's one of the best three point shooting bigs in the NBA. So, it's possible. That's all I wanted to say there. Well, the only thing I would say is just that though Brooke Lopez didn't hit a three, and a lot of these guys never shot threes, like Mitchell Robinson doesn't shoot like. Ten he, doesn't shoot. <laughs> he doesn't shoot five footers. Yeah, he doesn't shoot anything at all. He doesn't shoot layups, doesn't shoot floaters. Doesn't I'm shoot. just imagining him and Jericho Sims in the gym just jacking up threes together and just like bricks it all around. Yeah, like the Spice I'm, Adams video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that's why I brought up that's why I said the cop was because I'm look at so again, I was looking at the top. These are, so I look at the, the most three-point attempts by centers last season. And it's Brooke Lopez of 364, Chris Dops, Vuchiman, Al Horford, Jaron Jackson Jr. And I'm like, all right, I don't I think that's a stretch to ask him to become that. But no, so I got down to Jonas Valanciunas, and I was like, why can't he be Jonas Valanciunas? And we think about Jonas Valanciunas, he came in the league, big dude rebounding, rim protector. You did not run any plays for him. He did not shoot. And as he progressed and got older, got wiser, now he'll, he'll like I said, you take 100 threes a year. He took 109, 109 threes in 79 games. I was like 1.5. Why not? It ain't going to happen. But why not? Hey, it's it's our wishes, all right? And if there's a if there's a a lamp to rub somewhere, I didn't want to say that phrase, but it came out anyway. Uh, then we're rubbing the lamp, and uh, <laughs> and and our wishes are going to come true as a result. <laughs> Me and Mariah go back like babes. <laughs> All right. KFS uh, field trip to hoops. And um, in closing, (laughs) thank you. Thank you all so much for joining us for another edition of Casual Friday. Um, Any last words that either of you want to say before we wrap it up? Uh, just came in. Mark Stein is saying that Philadelphia and Boston, but more so Philadelphia is out on Bradley Beal. So uh, bonus wish, please don't trade for Bradley Beal. <laughs> That's all I wanted to say. Yeah, I, I, and, I second that bonus wish. And for me, uh, listen, I'm down for it. I want, you know what? Hey, let's... um. You know, there's someone in the KFS family who is about to get married. Um, I think that we should um, take him out for a beverage at Hoops on 33rd Street. And, And again, if you know, you know.
And if you don't know, you can Google. So, <laughs> um, do not Google. Do not look that up on your work computer. Evan Fournier. Don't Google. That's what we'll say. Um, yeah, and uh, no, this was a fun episode. Obviously, you know, I, I hope that all of our wishes come true. That, that it would be really great for the franchise. Hopefully, Leon Rose is low key a genie and able to grant all of our wishes. Um, you know, from the KFS perspective, we got a lot of exciting stuff coming up all off season. I'm sure you'll see a lot from Chris Persiainen with the draft coming up next week. Um, all of the insiders are teasing a flurry of trades. You know, we, I expect at least the Knicks to be heavily involved in conversations at least. Um, and you know, KFS will be here to cover it all. Uh, anything you want to shout out or flag Sean, since you typically have that on lock. I mean, listen, like you said, uh, Chris Percy, I check out draft class. Um, you know, maybe, maybe Chris will be doing something on draft night. Um, we actually want to get another episode of a study hall going. Um, so Robert Cross can leave me alone. Nah, he's, he hasn't been bothering me about it, but we would like to get another episode of draft class. Um, the cap and no cap series, you know, that's going to keep, that's going to keep going. He's, um, um, Jeremy is doing great. Jeremy's doing great stuff with that. Um, so listen, like, you know, listen, and we, the casuals, we are going to have, I got some, as someone who last year listened to all like the fun, uh, the, the, the redrafts and stuff like that. I said, listen, if I'm ever on this damn network, I want to do some redrafts and I got some ideas for some redrafts, right? Like, for example, if I think if, the 2020 draft, you did that over again. I have an idea who who should go number two. So we'll go from there. So, um, but yeah, so listen, you, you su- subscribe. If you haven't already, what the hell are you doing? Subscribe to KFS, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, MySpace, Snapchat, uh, Black Planet, all of them. Just keep it and turn on notifications and you'll know, you, you'll know as soon as we do it, you'll know. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you all so much. I'm XJ from Mensa and Sean. We will catch you next week on Casual Friday. Peace.